here at Women Offshore, it is not uncommon for us to meet a woman who is the first in her line of work. As you can imagine, we are surrounded by inspiring stories, and I want to share one of those with you today. I'm going to introduce you to a woman who is the first female pilot in India. She's also someone who is not afraid to talk about challenges. This is the Women Offshore Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Cedeno, a mariner and founder of Women Offshore. Women Offshore is a 501c3 nonprofit organization supporting a diverse workforce on the water. A few years ago, I connected with a woman from India named Reshma Nilafer. She is the first female maritime pilot out of Kolkata, India. We connected over social media and decided to Skype. We had a long conversation where I learned so much from her about what she does and saw some similarities in our careers and some of the challenges we faced and knew by the end of that conversation that I wanted to stay connected with her. Fortunately, she was able to attend our conference when it was in person in 2019. So I got to meet her face to face and we've continued to stay in touch. I asked her to come on the show today to share her experiences as a female mariner, some of the challenges she's faced because knowing her, she does not shy away from challenges, and also talk about what it's like being a pilot, specifically addressing the fear of falling and how to prevent falls from happening. So here she is. Everyone, please meet Reshma, all the way from India. Hello, Reshma. Welcome to the Women Offshore podcast. Hey, Ali. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for being here. I have missed you. I haven't seen you in a good year, and I've been wondering how you're doing. So it's good to catch up and share your career with our audience. So please start out by sharing your background, and how you got started in the maritime industry. I just came in the industry out of sheer chance. It was not a planned move that I would be a mariner, mariner someday or something like this. So when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a doctor. And when I was growing up and in my senior years at school, I decided that I wanted something more challenging, adventurous, and something offbeat. You know, when I was growing up, being a doctor or an engineer used to be considered as the only two good career choices. So all of my friends, all of my peers, they all invariably chose to be engineers or doctors. So I did not want to get in the rat race. I always said, no, I don't I don't want to get in this rat race. I want to do something different. If you had asked me then where I would proceed with uh, my career, I had no clue. I was open uh, open-minded to anything offbeat that came my way. And luckily so for me, there was an ad in the in the newspaper saying the Danish shipping giant Maersk, AP Moller and Maersk then was recruiting fresh school pass outs for a completely sponsored maritime program where right after my study, I will be taken 
you know, the placements were offered with Musk, automatically you would be taken in Musk on board. And this was immediately a very good offer according to me because I was not going to burden my parents with the expenses and completely sponsored along with placements. I thought there was no looking back. And at that point in time, Ali, if you ask me about shipping, I knew nothing beyond the movie Titanic. It's funny, but, you know, that's all we knew about ships. Yeah, well, if that's all you were exposed to, that makes sense. I was immediately thinking of, you know, big, huge cruise ships and not even about cargo vessels, nothing about them. And yeah, internet was new then. So I quickly looked up online and saw some of the pictures of merchant vessels. And I thought this was it. This this is calling me. So I just went ahead and applied. Things went well from there on. There's been no looking back. I really fell in love with the industry, with my work. It was interesting. It was challenging. Every day was a challenge. And also being one among the very, very few girls in the college, you know, whether we liked it or not, we got a lot of attention. But then, you know, you had to prove yourself day in, day out. So that was also a challenge for me. So I'm a challenge seeker. So it was it was good. It has been good that good. way. Yeah. Yeah. I want to hear about more of your challenges. But before we go into those, do you have a memorable sea story you can share with us? So when I was on board my first ship, this was sea land vessel taken over by Musk. So she was a 28-year-old ship. Even I wasn't that old when I joined sea. So when I was went on my first ship, I had to join from Newark port. And I still remember that I was very, very excited about my international travel. This was my first ever international travel. I remember that feeling of the overwhelming feeling when I actually first saw the ship and admired her beauty from a distance in the car, sitting in the car. And then when I was on board, we were a big gang of really young officers there. We were six cadets on board and a few junior officers all together. We were a big gang of hooligans, I would say. We had fun. We had really real, real great fun on board, along with a lot of learning, of course. But you know, having so many peers and especially from different nationalities, it was a really, really good experience on my first ship. And obviously, my senior officers were very, very inviting, welcoming and very accepting of a woman in their domain, sort of. So that way also, I had a lot of good memories on that ship. So the whole feeling of Looking at a ship for the first time, it still gives me goosebumps. Yeah, and it sounds like that experience really helped set the foundation that became your career. Exactly. Glad to hear that as a cadet, you were surrounded with camaraderie and support and people who wanted to see you develop into a professional mariner. Exactly. And also the sheer size of the ships and, you know, I'm still in love with the ships, so... You know, it's an excellent fraternity to be among. We know as women who have seagoing careers that there are lots of challenges. 
what challenges have you faced in your career? And I'm interested to know what challenges are you seeing mariners face in general these days? I was lucky to have been very accepted and welcomed camaraderie in the first vessel I joined. But then that was not the case in all my ships I joined, right? So it was not common to get that attitude, welcoming attitude from people. So as women, the first issue is that we are not really accepted amongst the male crew members on board. So that is a big, big deal. It can make a big difference to the young professionals because when you're not accepted as part of a team, you feel left out. And that's a very lonely journey to past time when you have six months on board or more or less. So that's one issue. And then women are not taken seriously a lot of times. It takes men a lot of time to get used to us, so to speak. You know, the cargo vessels still have a very, very meager percentage of women on board. So, you know, most men you're joining with and in your team, they're not really used to having women on board. And most of them are probably working with you the first time. So it does take a lot of time to get adjusted. And some people may not be welcoming. They may be very hostile. And we need to work through those kind of hurdles. And you need to be assertive and with in the, in the addition to be being respectful. So it's a really difficult balance to you know, score. But then once you score that trust with your teammates and once they accept you, then it's a good career to be in. But it takes time. You know, it takes time and it takes a lot of time sometimes. And some people will never get used to you and will never accept you. And some people are just, you know, so impossible to work with. So those are the times when you really feel helpless. But then that said, I have had a lot of allies when it comes to the men I've worked with. I was fortunate to have somebody or the other who was very supportive and, you know, sort of been a driving force and a fallback system. And they have been very supportive in the way that they would counsel me and give me the encouragement So you need those kind of voices, either it's from your family, it's from your colleagues, it's from your group of friends, a group of true friends who are really your allies. So you need that backup. Everybody needs them, just not women, everybody needs them. So, And the third issue which I would talk about is harassment at sea. Whether or not we're talking about gender-based harassment or sexual-based discrimination or harassment in 2020 recently have we still have so many harassment cases many of them or I would say majority of them are not even reported and the ones which are reported are not handled the right way I feel and that is probably the reason why there are many lives lost at sea And we have a recent one where an Indian cadet went missing from on board 
a vessel where he had mentioned to his family that his senior officer was harassing him he was helpless and he didn't know how to handle this and he has mentioned it to his family that's it's a red flag already but then nobody knew what to do about it i have myself faced harassment at sea and i'm sorry to say that i did not report it because i was still not very comfortable talking about harassment especially on the gender angle because i was a woman i had to hear a lot of comments and i had to face harassment at sea in my eventually over my other ships which i worked on but when i had to report it i just went back two steps and i thought see this is a senior officer who's doing this to me and it would be profitable or it would be seen as a cadet being noisy and too troublesome and i would be the one going home not the senior officer because he is essential when it come to when it came to the manning uh, safe manning i was dispensable easily so i would go home and he would still continue to work so there was no point in reporting this was the thought process at that time in my head i had to bear it for a long time and until the person in question signed off and then it was life was easier after that so similarly in this cadets this is a male cadet we are talking about so it's across gender it's it's not it's across gender race religion whatever but harassment is very much a hush hush topic so we're we're at this point where mental health harassment these are things we need to really do it now we need to get on the action mode not in the talking mode really a sad thing to have to be talking about in this day and age absolutely and i know we try to do things to support mariners mental health and there's a lot of other great organizations out there doing their own initiatives we just need to see more of it absolutely with all these challenges and there certainly are a lot of challenges in the maritime industry as you went along in your career did you want it to be long term and when did you know you wanted to become a maritime pilot ali when i joined sea i was in for the long haul so to speak so i loved my career and i loved where i was despite the difficulties we spoke about it has been a great place to be in like i said and i was really in love with my work both at sea and now as a pilot i really enjoy this career as a pilot so when i was at sea as a cadet i always looked up to the master of the ship and i thought wow this is this is what i want to be when i you know grow up and mature in this career but then i saw another thing that when we called ports we saw that the master was looking up to someone else for advice and better operations when we went to port so that is when i started looking up to the marine pilots and then in all sort of and then very idolizing the pilots we had this was a start maybe for the thought process of wanting to be a pilot and then when finally an opportunity came up and i i could join just as a cadet i could join 
and train to become a pilot i saw that as a as a shortcut i said wow you know you did not have to become wait to become a master that which could take like a decade at sea and then become a pilot this is a shortcut this is nice i would train for 4 5 years and then become a pilot so this was a great opportunity i just grabbed it i, I applied immediately and things went well at the interview too so here i am i'm working as a marine pilot now for 2 years congratulations on all your success i know that you have a very difficult job so for those who may not know what a marine pilot does can you explain it and what is the area like that you pilot in i'm working in a river pilotage so i work for kolkata port trust in india we recently renamed the port as shyama prasad mukherjee port named after a leader in india so i work in the east india in the state of west bengal so we have a river here river system which is considered one of the most toughest rivers navigated in the world so this is a really challenging place to work with and especially be a marine pilot in because we have a tidal range of close to 6 and a half meters on the spring tides and then the tide is also very strong i have personally seen say 7 to 8 knots tide current so this is very strong currents i'm talking about and then in yeah, addition wow. to <laughs> yeah and in addition to weather conditions and you know there are many many challenges in this river we have shifting bars so bends bars and bores is what are the three b's we <laughs> fear you know we have bow tides in this river which is not commonly seen elsewhere or navigated in we have very strong bores so that's the incoming tide which comes like a tidal wave so that's another phenomenon which is rare in this river so now about pilots what pilots do you know maritime pilots are considered to be experts in navigation and experts in ship handling and these are the go to people with the local knowledge and they are experts in the local knowledge when ships call ports so every ship which calls a port will look to take the advice of a pilot for the local knowledge and expertise for the ship handling within the port area so we go on that advisory role to the master we board ships just outside or just at the port limit wherever the port is and you would board the ship and help the bridge team in bringing the ship alongside the berth or in anywhere like an anchorage or a berth or docks we have dock system here so a pilot will be assisting the master and and advising the captain for about the local conditions the depths over there and the maneuver itself so it's like you get very personal with the ship and almost immediately after you board so for a captain let's say there is some time when they get to know the ship and get personal with the ship but 
for pilots it's not so we we have to board and in a snap of second we need to get used to the ship and quickly in a few minutes we need to do the master pilot exchange and explain the passage plan and you know how we are going to do this and the plan itself and how many tugs what are the conditions everything is set out laid out there for the understanding of the whole bridge team and then immediately you would be working you will take up the navigation of the ship itself so that is the role of a maritime pilot and this is why it's also called it's also mentioned as to be at the pinnacle of the industry because you know pilots will advise the command of the ship so they are looked at you know leaders of what they do at this art of handling ships so that's why it's a really interesting job yeah not only is it a very interesting and challenging job but it's also dangerous can you share what the dangers are and why is it so dangerous for a pilot absolutely dangerous yes but you know like i said you know i i've always loved challenges and there hasn't been another woman in my country who tried this challenge before me so that's why i found it very challenging in- instantly when i read about it but then after getting in the career i, I realized that this was much more dangerous than i imagined it to be and why it's dangerous is because you know we always say one thing over here my colleagues we discuss it that you know when you get on board getting on board and getting off is already half the job done because this is the most important part of the job and the and the most dangerous part of the job because boarding ships and disembarking in bad weather can be very very difficult if you did not know how and when and if you did not have the patience and you know if you did not know how this was done safely it could mean you know fatal injuries or even losing your life so you need to be really well trained about the safe procedures for boarding ships and disembarking because not just in bad weather there have been incidents even in good weather because the ladders have been non compliant so and there was a pilot ladder issue and then somebody fell in the water or on the pilot deck and then they have injured themselves we we still have many lives lost because of the various dangers we face as pilots so this is the danger which we are talking about here it is very dangerous and but there are ways to reduce danger and you know you could do good risk assessment and avoid incidents and avoid losing life we're getting there there's still a lot of challenges we need to address but we're getting there yeah so to give someone a visual when you are approaching a ship you're on a small pilot boat and you look at the ship that you're coming up on and you see the the very very long ladder and you're looking for it to be in good shape anything that you can see from a distance but i i bet that it's hard to judge it isn't it absolutely ali because see when you look at the ladder it could be visibly looking perfectly all right and it could be li- looking compliant 
until and unless you get on deck and then you see bam there's some something right in front of your eyes which is so so unsafe the way it's rigged the pilot ladder is rigged and or where it's tied up or how the man ropes are tied up or how the ladder is not compliant there are so many compliances which you don't get to see at first sight one look you can't make out or how well the ladder is maintained it's also cannot be you know you cannot judge that at first look and you don't get so much time to stand there and watch and take your sweet time to decide you have like a few minutes to get on board you know if you had a convoy be- behind you you need to do it you need to do that quickly yeah so in bad weather have you ever refused to go on board personally i haven't refused any bad ladders but there have been a lot of instances where i have seen there was a problem and then i had to tell them okay this had to be done immediately why don't you change this or why don't you rig up the ladder a little better i want to get up on board you need to help me out with this so there have been times when we have delayed boarding and it does get you in a, in a sort of a time crunch but i had to do it because there was no other way to get up so there has been instances where there was a chalk missing and the ladder was so difficult to board so i guess i have had incidents like that i'm sure there are other things that you do how else do you mitigate these dangers so the personal protective equipment i wear personally is all of these which i will mention now one is my helmet and then my life jacket and safety shoes and proper uniform without anything hanging around like say you know there's no lanyards or ropes or anything hanging i have my i card in my safely tucked in my bags and also i send my gear or luggage my bags up by line heaving line or something like that and i do not carry my bags on my back no backpacks from me when i climb the ladder i'm just only holding myself and taking myself up the ladder never with a bag but what i see internationally not just in my country i'm just talking about pilots in general internationally i see so many videos where pilots are not wearing their helmets maybe someone is not wearing a helmet someone's not wearing a safety shoe or someone's not wearing a life jacket so these are things which could mean life and death for a person i don't understand why even in 2020 many of my colleagues do not consider a safety helmet relevant a lot of pilots don't wear life jackets don't get them from their employers and these are issues we need to address immediately before we lose any more lives how can the industry prevent falls from happening is that even possible you think i would first make the pilot ladder regulations foolproof and no no more loopholes and you know misses where there is a lot of misinterpretation of many rules with regards to something called the trap door arrangement see we call these trap door arrangements as widow makers this 
this year onwards we have been calling them the widow maker so a lot of our colleagues around the world have really come out and voiced their concern regarding how difficult it is to climb the trapdoor arrangement where you get into like sort of like a tunnel on the platform and then you have to go through it you put your body through that trapdoor and then get on board so which is it's very difficult when you do that transfer from the rope ladder onto the trapdoor also a lot of ships by construction itself they are non compliant now how would you do how would you comply with the regulations if you are non compliant by design the crew can do nothing you know so it's it's a big challenge now that we need to either immediately redesign those ladders before we lose any more lives you know enough widows we've made with these ladders we need to do away with these trapdoor arrangements which are non compliant so those ships which are non compliant by design need to immediately go for repairs and also the compliance of pilot ladders need to be taken up seriously because like i said anything non compliant is unsafe as simple as that so we need to really have more inspections pilot ladder specific inspections for ships and that way we could get better compliance results because ali if you if you listen to our figures internationally the figures are really really grave you will not believe me if i said that some of my friends there is one captain eri palmers in netherlands who keeps a track of the ships he boards and he sees so he has a figure of almost 60% non compliance wow that is just unacceptable you know yeah yeah so we need to comply with with what is already on paper we need to make it sealed like so to speak without any misinterpretations or any loopholes and we need to get better commitment from companies and their crew and the fleets around the world. So, Reshma, I have one more question for you. Is there anything else you want to share with our audience? There is one thing that I would like to say that when people come up with situations which they report which are not reported usually, I want to tell the companies and the people on board like the top management of the ships to have an open mind and to not have any bias or preconceived notions when they handle cases of harassment or any other issue reported by juniors to seniors or you know there's a lot of i see that there's a lot of mental block when it comes to juniors reporting about the seniors you know we usually have assessment done for the juniors by the seniors but i don't see many companies doing that the other way around because we need to agree and accept that the seniors or the management itself can be at fault at times and we need to address them without having biases 
you know we talk about unconscious biases all the time it's time we put them to action and i would request companies to take this seriously and also the other one is the is about the pilots ladder safety that you know we need commitment from commitment and actions from companies around the world and also the crew from around the world the seafarers from around the world to take the pilot ladder seriously maintain them well so that the life hanging by that ladder gets on board your ship safely because that life is hanging by that ladder to ensure safe passage of your ship into and out of the port so we need to help those pilots out there and also if there is an issue with the ladder get it immediately repaired or replace your ladders quickly do not wait for the near misses to build up to an accident because in my belief many many near misses you know lead to one accident which was a very serious accident so please pay attention to the smaller issues which you have like the smaller near misses which come up and that way we stop that chain reaction and ensure that everyone's safe thanks so much rashma appreciate your passion and for coming on the show i admire you so much and i can't wait till we can see each other again yes ali it's been really good talking to you and you know last year's women offshore conference really was a great experience for me it was excellent exposure for me i took away a lot from the conference so i really look forward to you know many more years of association with women offshore and many many more conferences like that and also meeting you i really miss you already and i can't believe it's more than a year since we met so i would really love to meet again and hopefully the covid will leave us quickly and then you know the crew change is easier for people around the world and also traveling is not so complicated anymore after this year yeah i look forward to that yes thank you ali thanks rashma before you go here are some events on deck from my colleague savanna at the oil and gas global network hey everybody it's savanna from oggn and here are the events on deck for february 2021 This month we only have 3 events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur 2 months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our 2 in-person events. The TAMU SPE Sporting Clays Tournament at Tonkaway Ranch in College Station on the 19th. and the Thrive Energy Conference at Minute Maid Park from the 24th to the 26th. The only online event we have this month is the TAMU SPE Executive Series with our very own Mark Lacour of Oil and Gas this week on the 26th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. If you have any questions about the events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for February. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore podcast. 
What did you think of the show? Leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Additionally, if you want to propel Women Offshore forward, please visit womenoffshore.org or womenoffshore.shop. Make a donation or purchase some swag. Until next time, stay safe out there and I'll talk to you soon.